Hello, you are listening to the Fellow Cast. This is a Bring Your Own Bible episode in which Pastor Garth will be talking about Genesis chapter 19 and mirroring that with Judges chapter 19 as well. Just so that you know, these episodes are recorded from different locations remotely and then compiled to give you this episode that you are listening to today. So please notice that the sound quality will might not be as good as it is usually. Uh, we are trying our best uh, to give you real quality content. Um, so please bear with us as you listen to this episode. Enjoy. All right, Valdi. So today we're jumping into Genesis chapter 19, the story of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And last week's story read up to it, um, but we have to see it in context. We have to remind ourselves that God gave Abraham the opportunity to intercede for this city that God was about to destroy because of its incredible sin. And um, it was a very good chance. The mercy of God was shown time and time again in that conversation with Abraham. And that is our call and our challenge to see, all right, God wants us to intercede. We have to be sensitive um, to God to see where is he moving? Where does he want to break through? Uh, where does he want to um, pour out his favor and mercy? And he gives us the opportunity to invite it into the earth. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting thing to think about. Um, why does God want us to pray? Why does God want us to intercede in the first place? If God is sovereign, it means God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. Uh, why does he require us to actually invite his will into the earth? Well, it goes uh, to that whole topic of um, authority. And we as people have been given the authority to look after the earth. Right from creation, God said, um, look after the earth, uh, reign over it, uh, tend the earth. This is my creation, it belongs to God, but we are given the stewardship over it. And then we went and gave authority to Satan, and he is called the prince of this world. And uh, then Jesus Christ came, and he took the keys from, of sin and of death. He took it from Satan, and therefore he is now the king of kings and lord of lords. But in all of that, we as people are still stewards of the earth. And we still have uh, a role to play in how God's plan unfolds in this world. And part of that plan is prayer, to invite God to come and do what he wants to do. Um, God has always given this picture of a gentleman. In other words, he doesn't just barge in. No, he gave us as people the will to choose things and therefore he invites us and say, Do you want my will to take place in Malkbos Strand? Do you want my will to take place in Cape Town? Do you want my will to take place in your country? All right. Then as it says in Timothy, pray for rulers and all who are in authority so that you may have peace. We are given the, the opportunity to intercede so that God's will can take place. So Abraham interceded with God and there wasn't enough righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah uh, to justify the saving of the entire city. For the sake of the entire region, God says, I need to bring destruction on this place. Judgment now has to come on this. It's not the only time in scripture that we'll see it. We'll see it also when the Israelites come and um, invade the land of Canaan, that there's been a time of repentance, a time for 
um, asking for forgiveness and for turning from wicked ways. And now the time of judgment has come. So the two angels that were with the Lord on the way with Abraham and who had the meal with Abraham now walks into the city of Sodom. And as they come in, they come into the plain in the center of the city. And Lot passes by. Now, he wouldn't have been the only guy passing by, uh, but he notices these angels. And the custom of the time was that you show hospitality to visitors to the city by inviting them to your house, that they don't have to sleep in the open plain. And sure enough, Lot, just like his cousin, or just like his nephew, Abraham, uh, is a hospitable man. So he invites the angels and say, come to my house. And he entreats them to the point that they give in and say, all right, we'll come and we'll sleep under your roof tonight. Now, the people of the, the city have noticed these two men coming in, not knowing their angels. And therefore, that night, it says, all the men of the city came and um, knocked on Lot's door. And they all insisted and says, bring these men out so that we can have sexual relations with them. And Lot says, no, wait, I've got these two daughters who are not married yet. Um, later we'll see that they're promised to be married, but they're not given a marriage yet. Rather take them uh, and enjoy them for this evening. Uh, in other words, rape them. Uh, but the people insist, no, we want these two visitors that are under your roof. And they wanted to break down the roof. And the angels then uh, cause blindness to co come over all the people outside, all the men outside. And it says from the youngest to the oldest, just a, a sign of the entire city is corrupt in their morality. Um, so blind and the outside, they're groping around to try and find the door. In the meantime, the angels say to Lot, listen, um, destruction is going to come on this city tonight. You better make sure that you get your family out here. Do you have anybody else in the city uh, that is related to your family? And so Lot sends a message um, to the two men that are promised to marry his daughters. But those men laugh at it. They think it's a joke. Surely the city will not be destroyed. Which then means by morning, as the sun was coming up, um, they are urged by the angels and say, you have to take your family now, leave the city. And so Lot with his wife and his two daughters are accompanied by these angels out the city. And they're told, don't look back. Keep on walking away from the city. Get out of here as quick as you can. But Lot's wife turns around and looks back to the city as fire comes down onto the city and the smoke rises from the city. And it seems to be a, a longing for what she left behind because at that moment judgment comes also on her and she turns into a pillar of salt. Lot and his two daughters then make it out um, and the angels urge him and say, continue to go, continue to go until you reach the mountains. But he says, listen, there's just a small little city over here, a city called Zoar. Please, can I not go into the city and find shelter? It's just a small little town. Um, and the angels then give him the grace to say, all right, you don't have to keep on running. Go to this town. 
But then at verse 30 it says, um, Lot settled in the mountains. He left Zoar and settled in the mountains because he was afraid to stay with those people in Zoar. In other words, something in Lot's heart told him, listen, the area around Sodom and Gomorrah is also corrupt. This is a corrupt place where you are staying. And out of fear that judgment will also come on this place, he chose to rather isolate himself with his two daughters and stay in a cave in the mountains. And then this very sad part of the story. Lot's daughters um, soon realized that their dad will not give them into marriage because he doesn't want to mix with any of the people around there. It's strange that he didn't go and stay with Abraham, uh, that he didn't go back to family, uh, but rather would stay isolated in a cave by himself. And then for that reason, realizing that they will never marry, that they will never have children, one night the two daughters concocted with one another and decided, all right, let's make dad drunk. And um, the one slept with dad that night. And the next night, the other daughter said, all right, but now it's my turn. Let's make him drunk again. And the next uh, daughter also uh, slept with dad. And both of them conceived from their dad. One had a child called Ammon, and the other one had a child called Moab. And these two would become two nations, the Moabites and the Ammonites. And when we come to the story of the judges and then into the story of the kings from Samuel onwards, the Moabites and the Ammonites would be at war uh, with the Israelites for all of their years. And there would be a real pain, especially when uh, the Israelites came in that whole story in the book of Numbers uh, with... Um, Balaam, who would prophesy and give bad advice then eventually to the Moabites and said, all right, just send in your daughters uh, to marry with the Israelites because then they will start to worship your idols. We see that both the Moabites and the Ammonites are extremely ungodly people. Which takes us back to the start of Abraham's story, hey, Valdu? What if Abraham never brought Lot with? What if he obeyed God, as I would read it, and would really leave behind his family and only go with his wife into the promised land? Then this part of the story and the concluding parts of these two nations that would be at war with Israel all those years would never have been there. Um, so the consequences of obedience to God is really highlighted in this story. Well, we're not going to move much further than this chapter because I quickly want to jump over into Judges chapter 19. Because the two of these stories in Genesis chapter 19 and then eventually in Judges chapter 19 has so much in common. It's just impossible not to see what the message is between the two. Um, so... Judges starts off, the story of Judges starts off with the Israelites forgetting about God, forgetting about all that he did for them in the desert, um, how he brought them out of slavery, all of his miracles and all of his instructions given through Moses to the people of how to live in the promised land. And it's like a spiral. It really, from those first chapters, uh, it just spins down and down and the people become more and more and more fallen away from God's ways and more and more immoral 
until we came to come to these last passages, these last chapters of the book of Judges. So that by the time of Judges 19, uh, we see that the Benjamites have become like Sodom and Gomorrah, completely sexually immoral. And a Levite with his concubine uh, who ran away from him is the start of the story. So already here you want to say, okay, wait, the Levites are supposed to be the people who teach God God's ways to the nation. And here's a Levi with a concubine. What's that? Uh, he, he didn't marry her. He just keeps her as his wife. It's uh, in Afrikaans a hofro. And she runs away from him back to her mom and dad's house that he has to go and fetch her. Why does she run away? She's mistreated. So everything in the story this guy who's supposed to be the teacher of the people who's supposed to remind them of god's ways um, is in this bad marriage not really a marriage um, to a woman that he mistreated and has to go and find again the two of them then comes and they pass by this benjamite town and they go in there knowing okay well this is an israelite town we'll be safe here these are our people and in that place of our people, they are undergoing the same circumstances as in Genesis 19. They happen to be invited into somebody's house and the entire Benjamite town come and they command that this Levite must be given to them um, to have sexual relations with that night. And eventually, not through... Uh, fire from heaven like in Genesis 19 but through the nation rising up and saying what is going on here what is going on in this Benjamite town how can they be so fallen in their morality um, then judgment comes on to the Benjamites through Israel making war and nearly wiping out the entire tribe of Benjamin so what it teaches us in both of the story is um, Here's a people that do not know God, Sodom and Gomorrah. Here's a people that do know God, the Benjamites. Um, both of them go into this sin, this immorality. And in both cases, it shows, wait, God cannot, cannot let this go. This is so destructive to society. Um, this brings so much harm, so much damage that it needs to be dealt with. This is going to um, break apart a community and it's going to go break apart families. Um, and in the judges part of it, it's showing, listen, we as the people of God have a responsibility to look out for one another, that sin do not come and bring corruption um, and bring destruction on us and break apart families. We must look out for one another. Now, both of these stories we need to draw into the New Testament. Uh, always, like Rob says, you have to take it through the cross and say, how does this look in our day and in our time? Jesus Christ paid on the cross for all of our sin. So, does God send fire down from heaven to destroy sexual immoral people? No, he does not. He sent Jesus to the cross and he said, you go die for that. Take that sin also, like all other sin. Take it on your body and pay for it. So that whoever may come and ask forgiveness will receive forgiveness through me, Jesus Christ. The payment and the atonement of all sin. 
And in the story of Judges, how does that look on the other part of it? We as a church, if you want to look at Israel as the people of God, let's take the church, the people, the redeemed out of the world as God's, all of those who chose to have Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Um, how do we look at it uh, when one of our own would fall into immorality? How do we deal with it? Do we come like the Israelites and get an army together and destroy them? Absolutely not, because all sin has been nailed on the cross through Jesus Christ. All sin has been paid for over there. Uh, well, then we have to ask the question like Romans. Okay, shall we then go on sinning, knowing, knowing that it's been paid for? No, because sin will still bring destruction in our lives. It will still hurt us. It will still bring devastation to us, to our families, and to our community. It has to be dealt with. But it has to be dealt with in the way that Jesus said we deal with it. Valda, do you remember in, in um, Matthew, we told through Jesus, he said, when you see that your brother is in sin, how do you deal with it? You go to him in private and you say, brother, I see that you're in sin. Do you realize what it's going to do in your life? Do you realize that sin will always hurt you and the people around you? If they do not repent, what do you do? Well, take somebody else with you. Maybe he will listen when there's two of you speaking the same message. If he still doesn't want to listen, what do you do? Well, take a third person with you so that he can see, listen, this is not just the two of you. This is the general consensus of the body of Christ. This is our realization of how we deal with sin and call him to repentance. If he still doesn't want to listen, eventually it says, well, take elders with you. In other words, take leadership from this church. People that this person will recognize, they have authority as children of God and they speak the word of God and teach the word of God. Then finally, if they do not want to listen, what do you do? Uh, well, Jesus said, teach them as a tax collector or as a heathen. In other words, teach them like an unbeliever. Uh, treat them like an unbeliever. And how do we treat unbelievers? Well, with all of our heart, we seek for those who do not believe like we do in Jesus as our Savior. We seek for them to be saved. In other words, realize that you are fighting for this guy's salvation because he is throwing himself out to sin. He's not listening to the Spirit of the living God. He's not repentant under the blood of Jesus Christ. Treat him like an unbeliever. In other words, seek for him to know the gospel again, to know the good news of Jesus Christ that would set him free from all sin and would enable him through the Spirit to live a holy life, a blessed life like God intended. So I'm going to leave the message here for now. It's a really, it's a tough, it's a tough lesson. But realize that God's heart through Jesus Christ is for us to have no sin in our life, to live holy. Why? Not so that we can look different from everybody else. No, it's so that we may be blessed and that people may see that we are blessed. I want that kind of blessing of a godly life on my life. And next week, we're going back to Abraham's story then. We're done with Lot and his family and we're going to the story of Abraham. And unfortunately, we're going to see that Abraham makes another mistake like he did before with his wife. And it's got tough circumstances, uh, tough repercussions. Thank you, Walter. Thank you to you, Garth. We really do appreciate and enjoy these times together when we get to listen to the Bible in a storytelling 
fashion. It's really great to learn in this way. We trust that you've enjoyed this episode and you can look forward to another one coming your way next week. Until then, bye-bye.